I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. And welcome to this podcast, Doesn't Exist. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> because when you said, hi, I felt like your jaw, like I looked over and your jaw was like so tight. You look like a <laughs> ventriloquist. I'm like, hi. <laughs> Ew. Not in a creepy way. No, I, I just, know. I don't... I don't know. It just was. It was. <laughs> I don't know. You want to. You want to know who had a ventriloquist dummy? Is it Liam? No, it's my father. Oh, that makes sense. So when he was a kid in the fifties and sixties, it was like it must have been sixty something because he was old enough to know better <laughs> and to get a ventriloquist dummy. But his parents got him one for Christmas, and there is this creepy picture and if i if my dad has it i will find it and we can post it because it is one of the my it's one of the funniest family photos that we own um but it's my dad adorable tiny my tiny dad and my uncle sitting on one side of him at the table and then on the other side of my dad is this ventriloquist dummy in a chair and my dad is like looking at the dummy like all like excited that he got a dummy for christmas (laughs) Yeah. And my uncle, you can tell in his eyes, he's like, what the hell is that thing? Mm-hmm. So uh, Emma, I'm going to stop you because <laughs> this is my episode. I'm so sorry. We're not going back to Robert the Doll uh, creepy, so sorry. creepiness. My parents week. my parents really enjoyed that episode, though, by the way. <laughs> they, they listened to yours, too, on the way back from dropping Liam off at, at uh, college. They, were, or they listened to yours on the way there, and they listened to mine on the way back. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Yeah. We appreciate the support. Yeah. Speaking of support, oh. have you subscribed to our podcast? We know have you're you? listening. We're listening. You're listening to this right now, but... But have you? What about the future episodes? Mm-hmm. What about the past episodes? Mm-hmm. They're all waiting for you, so you should subscribe. Also, rate and review while you're at it if yeah. you're feeling fancy. Let us know how you feel about us. Do you like us? Do you hate us? If you hate us, don't say anything. Because I prefer to I know... I do that if... enough to myself. I'm yeah, kidding. I prefer to know if people like me. Validate me. Thank you. Do you feel like we have forgotten how to talk? Because it's so early in the morning. <laughs> or is it just me? I... I've never known how to talk. <laughs> that is... That is true. But... <laughs> <laughs> Is that helpful? Um, Does it make you feel better? Yeah. I mean, I feel like there are moments on every podcast where we both sound slightly like a robot, but hopefully like a friendly, helpful robot, not a scary one. Are you afraid of robots? I mean, I have a healthy dose of fear. They're going to, our overlords are going to rise up against us someday. That's why I always say thank you to Alexa and Siri. (laughs) Just in case. (laughs) My Google won't, like, my Google Home won't turn off until I say thank you. They're training me. Yes. <laughs> See? Now I want to, like, make people's devices. Don't know. Are you sure? Yeah. What if it's nice? What, what would you, okay. If I, if I deem this to not be okay, then I'll d- get rid of it. But okay. what would you think it would be a, a, an appropriate <clears throat> thing to ask Alexa or Echo or Google Home or... I love that you're just turning all of you're them You're welcome. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> this will only work for a specific genre of people because they have to have the right device and the right app. Well, we'll find out. But. See if we make friends. 
or lose them. Alexa, play The Wellerman on Spotify. <laughs> you said that so perfectly. Well, I really want her to hear me. No, yeah, that's fair. So I hope you're listening. Well, I guess if you're listening to a sea shanty, you're no longer listening to us. You're this welcome. is a terrible marketing decision. Eh, but it's fun. I feel like a sea shanty sort of relates. Does it? Yes. The question up for debate today, Emma, mm. is this. How did they build Titanic? What? Or rather, how did they sink it? Who is they? Was the most famous sinking in history a setup? Dude, I'm so excited! <laughs> so excited! This is one of Shannon's very favorite mysteries and things in the world anyway. So this is so... It's so I'm true. I'm so excited! It's one of my like middle school morbid fascinations, but I had not heard... I did not realize there were conspiracies about the sinking of the Titanic, but I guess this podcast has taught us that there are conspiracies about everything. Absolutely everything. So, buckle into your life preserver. Oh. Oh, she started to reach (laughs) for a seatbelt, you guys, but... I got confused when you said life preserver. Well, we're going on a boat. I gotta, I gotta put, I gotta, first I gotta put the life preserver on. Yeah, you gotta... Get it over my head. Yeah. And then I gotta... Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Gotta do it on both sides. And then, <laughs> gotta, gotta make it really tight around me. Yep. All right, I'm done. I'm All ready. Right. All right, so for any skippers, which, first of all, Emma, do you think that we have enough fans to have skippers yet? Like, skip ahead people on the podcast? I've never been a skipper, so I don't really understand the principle of it. We'll have to ask Declan. Yeah. Isn't he a skipper for certain things? For my favorite murder, he is. They've gotten a little. I listened <laughs> to an episode recently, and it was like forty-five it. minutes. I, but it was it was just nice because we aren't around friends anymore. Yeah, so that's like, my main we're reason just for listening and chatting. But then I, I realized it was like forty-seven minutes, and they were just getting to the episode. I was like, all right, I don't feel bad when our episodes are fifty-one minutes total, and theirs are like an hour forty-seven. They have more tenure too, though. But, yeah. It's true. It's true. I, it, to answer your question, I don't think we have skippers just yet. We, I don't think that's a... You that's better not, a, Declan. Yeah, babe. I don't think, though, that's a reflection on our uh, fan base, I guess. I don't like saying that. No, it's okay. um, On our listeners, I yeah. think it's more of a reflection on the fact that we generally get right into it. So. We try, yes. It's true. I think it's more than the middle that we take detours. Yeah, I'm happy with that, though. Yeah, we're hilarious. You're welcome. Um, But do you have thoughts and feelings about the length of the show? Please share it with us. Uh, You can send us an email. This podcast doesn't exist at gmail.com. Do you like a short and sweet, like, 30 to 40 minute episode? Do you care if I go off on a national treasure tangent for an hour and 15 minutes? Let us know. This is not a national treasure podcast. This is not. Also, it's not a ghost adventures podcast. It's not a Zach Bagans podcast. Watched three episodes last night. Oh my goodness. Declan and I love it. <laughs> my favorite old married couple right there. <laughs> Watching Ghost Adventures. Yeah, that's going to be you though. It's going to be you. Yep. Um, Sorry. But anyway, the Continue. reason I asked about the skippers is not that I'm concerned that we have them. Although if you are a skipper, like to each their own. Uh, I just asked mainly to make fun of you. 
me. Yeah, because I was going to say, for any skippers who are familiar with the old RMS Titanic, feel free to skip ahead. I'll be reviewing the basics for Emma because she refuses to watch the movie and I will forever mock her for it. <laughs> I, okay, again, I have seen the movie. I oh, did not... this is one you've actually seen. Unlike other yeah. sad movies that I make fun of you for. Yeah, so I've never seen The Notebook and never will I. But, it, no, for Titanic, I have seen it. I just saw it when I was really young. Right. And so it's just in my brain as something traumatic. So I'm just like, yes. no. But gotcha. I am so very excited. Because it is one, now one of my favorite musicals. So the, the storyline itself is, yes. is beautiful. I was, in fact, listening to the cast recording last night while I was doing my research. And I was like, oh, I'm really glad that Emma and also everyone else, nobody uses the desktop version of Spotify where nope. you can see on the sidebar what your friends are listening to. Hi, friends. This is how I check in on you to see if you're sad. Um <laughs> Because sometimes I get a little concerned. Do I need to text you and make sure that you're doing okay? Yeah, How send... many times have you listened to the same Taylor Swift song over and over? I'll just send you a gif of a puppy, just because. Um, but yes, because then I, I don't know, I was paranoid that it'll, it'll give it away. And then I get very paranoid that we're going to like spoil each other, which also leads to me being paranoid that we're doing the same thing. Which Emma assures me we're not, and I guess she can confirm that now. So I still don't know what next week's episode is going to be about. And neither do you. <laughs> All right, Emma. The year was 1912. Was it? It was. Twas. The White Star Line was ready to premiere the second of its iconic new ocean liners, the Royal Mail Ship Titanic. boop a doo Her sister ship and the headliner of the White Star Line, the Olympic, had made her seafaring debut when she was launched on October 20th, 1910, and commissioned on June 14th, 1911. By tradition, the White Star Line never christened any of their uh, their vessels, vehicles, no, any of their vessels, and for the launch, the hull was painted a light gray color for photographic purposes, which was actually a common thing to do with the first ship in a line, um, in a new class because it made the outline of the ship clearer in black and white photographs. Aww. Uh, so after the photographs were taken, the hull was painted black for like normal usage. Fascinating. But I guess it would be too blurry against the water. Uh, oh, it would have made it melted into it. Yeah. yeah. I just thought that was interesting. That is really interesting. And they never used uh, champagne either. So like what you think of in your head of, like, christening a ship. Jeez. They didn't do that. That just was the White Star tradition. Tradition. So the White Star line at this time in the early 1900s was facing a growing challenge from one of its main rivals, the Cunard line, which had just launched the Lusitania and the Mauritania, the fastest passenger ships then in service. Um, also, the Lusitania didn't end well for that ship either, no. but we don't have time for that. Oh, uh, that's, do, that's another episode. <laughs> that's another episode. Uh, but I do remember there was this book in my middle school library, which I feel like middle school libraries are quite sad. Like you go to an elementary school library, there are a ton of books, right? Because you have to have like picture books for the little kids and like middle grade readers. Chapter books. And it's and, colorful yeah. and it's great. And then you go to a middle school library and they recognize that this is the first time that you've had to do actual schoolwork. So, there so are, there's like it's very small books. and like dingy. 
I feel like I was one of the only people to actually go to the library at my middle school. Of course you were. And I checked out a lot of books about figure skaters. Of course you did. And there was also this one specific book that was like, it was relatively short, but it was a kind of a summarization or a, an anthology of all these shipwrecks because I Whoa. was I was fascinated with shipwrecks and Lusitania was one of them. But anyway, not to the point of today. That's so interesting. Yeah, to have in a middle school library. I mean, like, it was like geared towards most like young readers. I love that. It was so good. That's the kind of author I aspire to be. Here's this. Very morbid thing. There, enjoy. Yes, I've put pictures in it. <laughs> oh, dude, dude, feel free to cut this out if you feel like it's not relevant. But there was this book. I think I've told you about this book before. There is this book called Buried in Ice. Yes, you have told me about this. I might, I might do an episode about it. I don't really know if it's like a conspiracy or an unsolved thing. I'd have to like. I wonder if our local library has that book. Potentially. But I remember they had photos of these, like, mummified sailors because they were buried in ice in the Arctic or Antarctic. So uh, they were, like, terrifying, like, archaeological photos. So they were not, like, but it's still intentionally terrifying. gruesome. Yeah. I remember that I would, when I would read it, because uh, I checked it out from my elementary school library multiple times. They should have had a therapist on you real quick. <laughs> As if I wasn't already school, in therapy. The school Thank psychiatrist you. is like, um, yeah, no, we, we've already got her Actually, on the list. Actually, honestly, shout out to my little uh, Department of Defense Dependent Schools middle, uh, elementary school because we actually had a fair amount of support. But it was very clever. What they did was there were different little groups and each group had like a little paper symbol like a I think ours was like a pink seahorse and it was on your desk and had tape on it oh I see but that meant you didn't know what they were for so unless you were also in the pink seahorse group you didn't know it was for like kids whose parents were getting divorced <laughs> what's <laughs> Is up that really what the pink seahorse yes for? me and my friend Annie and a bunch of other kids were in that group but like I don't know what the purple seashell group was there for. Oh, that's so it was so smart. nice. So it was like everyone got to have their support and and but it's also therapy like group not, time. Yeah. But it wasn't like oh you're in the dyslexic group. Yeah, <laughs> like they gifted and t- I okay. This is a very long rant. I'm so sorry, y'all. I mean, you might edit it. Who knows? Yeah. I genuinely dislike because I hate using the word hate. <laughs> Genuinely dislike the idea of a space called gifted and talented to separate children from the quote-unquote normal classes. The peasants. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting to me because what ends up happening is that it's not that the gifted and talented kids are like, ooh, I'm gifted and talented. Well, there are a couple. Well, Noah Miller, I'm talking about you. Whoa, call out. He's never going to listen to Oh, my God. (laughs) But he deserves it, so. In any case, there's very few kids in that group who are like, oh, my gosh, I'm gifted and talented. Aren't I special? A lot of the time. Neurotic and anxious. Those kids are us, the neurotic, anxious, nervous kids. Yeah. Because you're... You're supposedly gifted and talented, and you're like, but what if I'm not? What if I'm not living up to the potential that somebody has already placed for me? It, when it, I was in, like, second grade. So I I would appreciate if 
when I eventually have children, when we eventually have children, that there is a system in place that makes sure that it's not a, you are better or worse than anyone else. It's more of a, you have, you have opportunities to advance in classes, but it doesn't mean you're better than the kid who can't. Well, in my experience, it's also, you have a lot of niche interests or talents. Because our, in our middle school, gifted and talented was not, it didn't have any, um, it didn't have any bearing on which classes you could take or anything like that. That was like a separate thing. Um, but we got to do like special projects about like architecture and like we did See, like a debate cool. unit. For sort of us, thing. I remember because I was only ever placed in the gifted and talented section when I was like in fourth grade. And it was because I was reading well above my level. Mm. Um, and it's because I like to read. But when I was placed in there, it wasn't necessarily that it was a, like, you can't take another class. It was, this is basically a study hall for you to sit here and do whatever you want, almost. Oh, I would have loved that. I I didn't mind it, but I also was kind of like, I'm not, why am I here? Like, it, it was very... I would have loved that. I just had a recovered memory. Oh my god, this is so long. <laughs> that in fourth grade... Also, Emma and I haven't seen each other in person. Yeah, in like, sorry guys. Oh, we just week. talked about, do we have skippers? Feel free. Um, I just had a recovered memory of fourth grade gifted and talented class. The only thing I remember from that class is that we had to try and build out of like a shoebox and toothpicks and tinfoil and the saran wrap we had to try to build a device that would cook a hot dog in the sun (laughs) Uh, i remember doing that with cookies i don't remember that being successful well i think because a hot dog is technically already cooked they're just trying to warm it warming it anyway back to the titanic right the lusitania is to blame for that um whole detour that we just yeah, took on. Yeah, we wouldn't go into the Lusitania, but we could definitely go into the... <laughs> just... dogs. Oh my god. Alright. So, right. The Cunard Line, fastest passenger ships in service. The Lusitania being one of them. So, the White Star Line's chairman, J. Bruce Esme, knew that his ships could not compete in terms of speed, necessarily, so he decided to bump up the luxury opulence. <laughs> For all of our RuPaul's Drag Race fans out there. Opulence. Opulence. You own everything. Cross off your fandom reference on your bingo card if you haven't already. Go ahead, Tom King. <laughs> and Haley. Haley also oh, yes. loves Drag Race. And Haley. As should, as should we all. Someday you'll watch it. It'll be great. All right. So all three of the ships in this new White Star Line, in the Olympic line of ships, were constructed in Belfast, Ireland, uh, by the shipbuilders Harland and Wolf, who had a long-established relationship with the White Star Line dating back to 1867. So I've actually been to the Titanic Museum in Belfast. Yes, you have, and you bought me a necklace with an anchor on it. Yes! It was so, uh, it's so good. I think other people on my study abroad trip were a little weirded out. And I was like, oh, not everyone is obsessed with the Titanic like me. 
That's okay. I'm going to have fun anyway. Your loss. Um, I remember a lot of people sitting in the lobby because there was free Wi-Fi for like one of the first times on our trip. So people were like telling you to talk FaceTiming or whatever. And I was like, who needs friends or family? I'm going to go learn about the second class. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) So the construction of... Olympic began three months before Titanic to kind of spread out the workload on the shipyard, which makes sense. You know, if you got all your welders, they maybe finish their phase and then they can start over here. I don't know anything about building ships, but that makes sense to me. You kind of like spread out the production line. A fun fact that I learned in my research was to accommodate the construction of these massive ships, Harland and Wolf upgraded their facility combining three slipways into two larger ones which just goes to show you how big these ships were that they were like usually this space takes up three moderately sized boats ships what's the difference i don't know but now we're gonna have two Uh, both ships took approximately 26 months to build respectively uh so just over two years um, although the, t- the construction on the Titanic kept being delayed because of repairs to the Olympic. Oh, so but, they were needing to... Yeah, they were like, take some let's time. go over here. Um, at one point, they had to like steal a propeller from the unfinished Titanic to put Aww. it on the Olympic. We'll get into it more oh, later. All right, all right. Um, here, here are a few stats for you, uh, for any numbers people out there. When completed... Both ships, individually, obviously, weighed 46,328 tons. Oof. And the Titanic was 882 feet and 9 inches long. (laughs) That 9 inches is very important. Which is 269.1 meters. Oh, okay. And was 175 feet or 53.3 meters from keel to the top of the funnels tall jeez which i'm not a numbers person so that doesn't mean anything to me i mean we all know that the titanic was massive it was in fact titanic um a little bit of ominousness for you six people died on the titanic while she was being constructed and fitted out and another two died in the shipyard workshops and sheds of anything in particular uh safety standards were highly lacking um, okay. at this time so like falling metal or wood okay. or construction that's, yeah that's fair in my head for a second it, i went so was there like one dude who was actually really sick the entire time and over the course of almost two years like <laughs> just ended up dying and they added it to the <laughs> To the it was actually lung cancer, but yeah. blaming the cursed ship. <laughs> so the Titanic successfully completed her sea trials on April 2nd, 1912, just eight days prior to her maiden voyage. Wow. A variety of systems were checked, including the Marconi wireless transmitters. And they performed a crash stop. So what, they go from like pretty close to full speed to a complete stop and that took approximately eight minutes or not eight three minutes whoa um and change so pretty good uh and the ship was tested up to 21 knots um which is a measurement of speed for anyone who doesn't know 
On Wednesday, April 10th, 1912, Titanic's maiden voyage began. And Leonardo DiCaprio decided to stow away. He didn't stow away. He won a ticket playing cards. After making several stops to pick up passengers, Titanic cast off for the final time on April 11th at 1.30 p.m. To quote Miss T-Swift herself, anything bad happening aboard those first few days was merely champagne problems. Uh, At least for the first class passengers, maybe not as great for the folks down in steerage because, you know, classism, capitalism, not great. But overall, nautically uneventful. Until April 14th at 11.40 p.m., the ship collided with an iceberg that fatally wounded the ship, affecting its supposed, mm-hmm, yes, supposedly watertight series of compartments. Another Taylor Swift quote. Long story short, it was a bad time. That's Taylor Swift quote? Yes, from her most recent album. <laughs> I'm sorry. You boomed me. I'm sorry. Long story short, it was a bad time. Anyway, not to make light of the situation, nearly 1,500 souls were lost in the sinking, making it the most deadly peacetime shipwreck in history. There was only the bare minimum of required lifeboats aboard. Excess boats had been cut for aesthetic purposes. So the wrong reason. (laughs) Yes. But who cares about safety when the first class needs more deck space? And the requirements for the number of ships had not inflated with the times as these more massive ships were being commissioned. Um, That's not good. Yeah, not great. Uh, And to add to the not greatness of it all, many of the lifeboats were deployed only partially filled, which further contributed to the loss of life. Partially filled as in, like, didn't have the capacity that it could hold yes. in terms of people? Yeah, they were launching lifeboats half full. Because they were, the crew was not prepared. They had never done any sort of safety drills with the passengers aboard. Um, so everyone was freaking out. They were worried. Some, some passengers didn't trust the lifeboats because they were being lowered from the sides, which was, like, a massive... yeah. You know, 175, I mean, they weren't being launched from the top of the funnel, so. That'd be so 100 feet in the air still, like. Yeah. So, a variety of calamitous circumstances combined um, for all of these things. I'm not getting into the the nitty-gritty because there's lots of information out there. And you know what we're here for? Conspiracy! I always end up running out of breath somehow. Yeah, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta, gotta weird diaphragm. Hu- I gotta take a huge <laughs> breath. Well done. Thank you. All right, so we're in the conspiracy category. We're starting out strong. Yay! With a cursed mummy. <laughs> what? So one. <laughs> Sorry. How? One of the victims that went down with the ill-fated ship was an English spiritualist named William Stead. So for several years prior and up to the sinking, he had been spreading the story that a cursed mummy was causing all sorts of havoc to take place in London. 
audience, I went to start a sip of tea that was maybe not the best timed. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. I said cursed mummy. I know. I just find it funny that there's the spiritualist running around London going, it's because of a mummy. Yes. And and he's on board the ship. He's telling the story. It's because of a mummy. Which is truly just like great cocktail hour conversation. Heck yeah. It you is. know, if we were on the boat, we would have cut across that oh, room. Oh, immediately. Like, Hi. Excuse um, me? Please continue your yes. story about this cursed mummy. Yes. All right. So a month after the sinking, a survivor shared Stead's tale and the Washington Post posted the following headline. Ghost of the Titanic, Vengeance of Hoodoo Mummy Followed Man Who Wrote Its History. <laughs> so this guy that was talking about the mummy, this spiritualist, he died when the ship yeah. went down. So a month after the sinking, I get it. People are trying to like make, make news. reason. Yeah. And uh, it got your attention when I said cursed mummy. I did appreciate the article that I read that pointed out that these sort of, like, curses and myths uh, surrounding these kind of artifacts are really reminiscent of colonizer guilt. Of, like, feeling bad that you stole from a native people and were probably terrible to them. It's like the King Tut curse. Yes. Which actually proven to be illness. I think it was like the du- the dust or the mold or whatever that they ended up breathing in ended up really so funny. destroying them. I mean, it's and they were like, funny. "Oh my god, it was a curse!" And it's like mm, biology. It's way more exciting. It's like the Salem witch trials. It's like, oh, they had mm. some funky bread. <laughs> they did have some funky bread. It's a moral funky bread. I just wanted to say funky bread again, guys. It is just now ten a.m. and for both of us, that is early. I was up till two this morning. Yeah, so we're going a little slap happy. I apologize. Also, I'll be very honest with you. And again, feel free to cut this if you don't think, if you don't deem it interesting or appropriate. (laughs) I don't deem you honest enough. No. Not that. But like, I feel like for me personally, the last two episodes that I posted, I feel like had real. they went really well to like toot toot. Mm, but now I'm like nervous. Last night I think that's part of the reason why I was like nervous to start my like me with Atlantis. I was like, oh, I was so nervous I about wanna, Atlantis. I don't want to. Uh... Anyway, so we should stop talking. We should focus because people so don't like focus. all this. Flim also, flam. you have to go to work at some point, so you got to be yeah. Careful. That's true. I'll talk faster. <laughs> I won't. Um, Some link the mummy's curse, quote-unquote, to Egyptian artifacts that survivor Margaret Brown, a.k.a. (gasps) the unsinkable Molly Brown, really did take with her on the Titanic to deliver to a museum in Denver. (laughs) She was awesome. Long story short. The unsinkable Molly Brown. She was one of the first women in the United States to run for political office and ran for Senate eight years before women had their right to vote. Yes, girl! And she has her own musical titled The Unsinkable Molly Brown, so check it out. In conclusion of this conspiracy, there was never actually a real mummy on board. Yeah, that was Um, my next question. No, it's the mummy still in the British Museum. It's a particular mummy? Yes, that this guy was blaming 
It's from like 1945, or not 19, 945. <laughs> it's from 1945, okay. from the future. From the at future. This point. A future mummy. <sighs> that, would, that would bring a curse. Yeah, space mummies. <gasps> That's not like a Doctor Who episode. We don't have time. We don't have time. Uh, but there, there will be a photo of the mummy in question on the Instagram at this podcast doesn't exist. There's a lot of photos for this episode, most of which are of boats, as one might expect. Bobby uh, McBoat face. But enjoy. All right. Next option. Espionage. <gasps> Spies. Sort of. Oh. Uh, so even though the Titanic set sail two years prior to the start of World War I, some speculate that a German U-boat, not an iceberg, is to blame for the disaster. Uh, so this would predate the sinking of the Lusitania, yeah. the aforementioned. Uh, in 1915, a German U-boat torpedoed the British Ocean Liner off the coast of Ireland, killing nearly 1,200 people. Yeah. In front of a U.S. Senate inquiry panel regarding the sinking of the Titanic, several survivors, including passengers and crew members, testified that they had never felt an impact or heard any sound when this supposed collision with the iceberg happened. Whoa. However, they did hear four explosions from within the depths of the ship. <gasps> so perhaps torpedoes? That's... Mark? I've never heard that. Many survivors reported seeing a searchlight across the water. Some claimed that this was from... The SS Californian, the ship now most famous for its inaction during the Titanic disaster. But the Californian's captain swears it was not his his searchlight, but that instead it came from a vessel located between his ship and the wreckage of the Titanic. Mm. So theorists claim that this was perhaps a german u-boat torpedoed popped up to survey the damage and then slunk away into the night oh my gosh i've never heard this before this is so you wanted me to comment on your on your hands no i just was having fun we're both so tired you're more tired than me you done? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I felt like you were having a thought about the U-boat theory. <laughs> no, I don't have any thoughts on it. It's just fascinating because it's not something that I've ever heard of before. I hadn't ever, like, I'd heard about the Californian and the fact that they basically did nothing while yeah. the Titanic was sinking. But I had never heard before that they hadn't heard the impact. Mm -hmm. And I had never heard before that there was a searchlight. Mm-hmm. So he could have been saved even if he hadn't gone on that door. That's all the, I know the about the Germans Titanic. Germans were not picking anyone up, though. No, but the Californian could have. It just in, decided not in to. In defense of the Californian, they were in an ice field, so they couldn't move till morning. It was still, like, still sad. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho. On to another theory that I've never heard of before. Ooh, which means I probably haven't either. No. This one's less scandalous and more just kind of scientific. Um, Ooh. But it, I'm referring to this as the coal bunker theory. So around 10 days prior to its maiden voyage, the Titanic had a fire start in one of her coal bunkers. This fire continued for several days into the voyage. 
Um, this was a relatively normal thing to happen, though. Um, coal has been known to spontaneously combust yeah. and start a fire. Uh, it, it is a flammable substance. Um, so standard procedure to extinguish this fire would be the use of fire hoses or to move the coal on top to another bunker or uh, removing the burning coal and feeding it into a furnace. Yeah. You know, it's already on fire, chuck it into the fire. Yep. Um, So theorists claim that this prolonged fire somehow weakened the structural integrity of this Titanic's hull and or one of its bulkheads, thereby exacerbating the effects of the iceberg collision. Wait, so the hull made of metal Mm -hmm. was weakened by fire? I don't know. I mean, I know that metal and heat, so long as it's hot enough, will make it, like, bend or malleable or anything. But I don't, I don't know. Somehow, I, I am not a scientist. What? I know. <laughs> Fascinating, right? Yeah. Not a scientist. It just sounds iffy to me. Maybe I'm wrong. I, Tell me I'm wrong. I dare you. Well, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Welcome to the call-out episode. <laughs> We're airing grievances. Fight me. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening at home, which is... You know, all of you. Emma just did this weird robot puppet arm thing. Finger I, guns. Oh, I just saw this. Oh. Anyway. Finger guns. Visual bits. Uh, so Very good at that. <laughs> some points to this coal bunker fire as part of the reason the Titanic was traveling so fast at the time of the crash. Oh, because there's so much coal fueling it. Yes. Okay. So remember... The Titanic had only been speed tested up to 21 knots, but at the time of the collision with the iceberg, they were traveling at 22 knots, which is just two knots below the ship's maximum speed. Whoa. Um, They had also received numerous ice warnings from different ships in the area, but if they were trying to feed all of this quote-unquote bad coal that was burning into the furnaces, this would have resulted in an increase in speed. So... Some point to that. Most experts, and Emma, dispute the idea that any, <laughs> that any structural damage could have been done because of this fire. Uh, and then, here's a, a wee quote for you. Uh, it has been suggested that the coal bunker fire actually helped Titanic to last longer during the sinking and prevented the ship from rolling over to starboard after the impact due to the subtle port list created by moving the moving of coal inside the ship prior to the encounter with the iceberg. Hmm. So this idea that like because of the fire, they had redistributed the coal in a way that they wouldn't typically have done. Um, and if that hadn't happened, it would have, it would have been have like gash on the side easier. and whoop, yeah. much quicker. So there's a little science for you. Probably fake science, but something to consider. <laughs> we all learned iffy, something. Iffy science. <laughs> we all learned something about... Bunk coal bunkers today. Mm. Next up in the conspiracy list, we have religious superstition. Okay. <laughs> Just continue. Yep. One myth claims that Catholic employees at the shipyard... <laughs> yes, ma'am. Those ding-dang Catholics. 
Sorry. Sister something will be Sister seeing you. Is- She'll be seeing you after class for detention with the ruler. What's funny is that every nun I ever had that taught, I went to Catholic schools. Any nun that I ever had teach me, I never had any bad experience. My mom did. My mom was a lefty until a nun slapped her across the wrist with a ruler one too many times and she became a righty. But, like, I I never had a bad experience. But I also went to these Catholic schools, like, in the early 2000s in pretty large cities. So, like, it would have been an issue, I think, if there had been a... Child abuse? Yeah. <laughs> My head went rappy nun, but like like a rap. <laughs> Sister something's getting crazy. She's a, she, she's ready to lip sync she's for her queen. life. She's a rap queen. All right. As I was saying, so sorry. One myth. I'd like to point out that my notes for this episode are only seven pages long. I'm very proud of you. And my usual episode like notes 14. are like 14. Yeah. I feel like this episode is still going to be the normal length, It's going to be, yeah, it is. Because I can't keep my mouth shut. Thank God we have a podcast. True. So one myth claims the Catholic employees at the shipyard of Harland and Wolf were freaked out that the Titanic's ship number 3909 space 04 when reflected in a mirror... Like on the water, yeah. You know, backwards. Reads no pope. <laughs> yep. You're right to laugh because this is total tosh. Like not real at all. For one, there was no such number on the ship. Like ships weren't labeled they with numbers. numbers. Yeah. Uh, the main number related to her was her yard assignment, which was four oh one. Uh and two Error. Wow. Wow. It was a glitch in the, in the Matrix. We're all just in a in a God's video game. Um, truly, though. That's another episode. Two, there were no Catholics working at Harland and Wolf because they had driven them all away. Because this is during fast Ireland. During the late 1800s, and they were known for only hiring Protestants at this point. Yeah, this is Belfast, Ireland. Belfast? Right? I think that's correct. I think if if you were Irish, you'd say, like, Belfast. It is Belfast, though. Yes. Okay. Correct. Location, correct. I yes. thought you were questioning pronunciation. No. I, no. No. You are correct. Uh, so, that's completely made up. Not relevant they don't at like, all. They don't like the Catholics in the Orange County. No. Next up, uh, we have a little theory. Oh. Um, a little one? A low one. I don't have a lot of information about it. A low low. Um, in 2010, Louise Patton asserted that her grandfather, Charles Lightoller, who died before she was born, and he was the only surviving crew member, or like one of the only surviving crew oh. members from the Titanic, claimed that the helmsman, Robert Hitchens, initially panicked during the iceberg encounter, and turned the rudder in the wrong direction, which in it caused the the collision, collision at a more aggressive angle, basically. If, like, if they had just kept straight or, like, they turned the correct scraped. way, they would have skimmed it. Yeah. But, um, so this theory is actually what got me started on this topic, because I, fairly recently, you sent me a TikTok. I did. I remember sending you this, this one. Yeah. 
I could not find it for the life of me. I did go on last night scrolling through our messages trying to find so it. So sorry. No, I'm sorry because I sent you so many. <laughs> um. So I was because I was trying to link it in the show notes, but if I find it, like I might, I might be able to find it and that, then I'll send it yeah, to you. Yeah. But anyway, that's what started it all this time. Also. I understand, like, not wanting to disrespect the dead, so I understand why, like, Charles Lytaller wouldn't have said anything closer to the, you know, if he's the one of the only ones that survived, you know, not, I get it. Not one of not one fang- fingers yeah. at someone who ended up dying. Yeah. So the next theory is that the sinking was an elaborate cover-up for murder. Wow, that's a very elaborate cover-up that then results in much more murder than you anticipated. Sorry. Yeah, but when you're a millionaire, <gasps> you do what you want. Is this a Vanderbilt? No. No. <laughs> you just named the first rich person you could think of. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, conspiracists claim that American financier J. Pierpont Morgan. Morgan! There we go. Who controlled the White Star Line's parent corporation, yes. the International Mercantile Marine Company, orchestrated the sinking as a way to eliminate three other prominently wealthy yes. Americans. Jacob Astor, Isidore Strauss, and Benjamin Guggenheim, all three of whom died in the sinking. J.P. Morgan was initially booked aboard the Titanic, which makes sense. You own the parent company. This is a big deal. You'd want to be on board, right? But he canceled a mere day prior to the ship's departure. Suspicious. How did he orchestrate the the sinking? <laughs> Shannon just waved me away. <laughs> we don't have time for this. Did he send the German U-boat? No. Suspicious. No, Shannon. Yes, Shannon. Very suspicious. No, Emma, not really. Not really suspicious that he canceled. So close. Uh, He was actually kept in Europe due to delays with shipping his art collection. Oh. He needed, like, an American uh, inspector that was delayed. So he he sent his regards off to the White Star. I will not be available for the maiden voyage. Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. Um... So, also, this doesn't work out, one, based on what Emma pointed out. Like, how on earth would you orchestrate orchestrate that? that? And two, it doesn't really make sense because this theory claims that Morgan wanted to kill these men um, because they opposed the creation of the Federal Reserve. But Astor and Guggenheim had not publicly taken a stance, and Isidore Strauss actually supported the creation of the Reserve. Oh, well, then that that doesn't fly. No. Um, to add to the insanity of all of this, this J JP Morgan cover up yeah. conspiracy has been taken up by QAnon. Oh golly, we're not ta- we're not talking as about one of their oh theories gosh. that they believe. That's very. It's not even pertinent. Well, in other versions of the theory, they like to blame. The Rothschild family, Ugh, which is they're Jewish, yeah, anti-Semitic banking money, Ugh. blah blah blah. They uh, QAnon sucks. Moving on, and you're gonna love this theory. 
Okay. I think it's fascinating, too. And okay. I'm shocked that I'd never heard of it before. I'm very excited. Oh, she moved her glasses. Finally, Emma. Mm-hmm. The final conspiracy is that the Titanic never sank. I can see your face. You're very confused. I'm so confused. They do not claim that there was not a shipwreck. It was just not the Titanic. Yes. So some claim that the ship that went down on April 15th, 1912, was in fact originally launched as the Olympic. Oh. So the primary proponent of this theory is Robin Gardner. He wrote a book in 1998 titled Titanic. The ship that never sank? Question mark? There is a question mark. Okay. <laughs> so how did this parent trap situation go down when you're dealing with two ginormous ocean liners? Yeah, that seems a bit much. <laughs> In September 1911, Titanic's sister ship, the Olympic, collided with the British cruiser HMS Hawk in the Solent... I don't know how to say that. Could have looked it up, but I didn't. Um, which is a channel separating the Isle of Wight from Great Britain. Oh, yeah. The Solent. I guess. I don't know what it's called, but yeah, I know where we are now. Well, that's what it's called. Okay. I just don't know how to pronounce it. I feel, I feel like you're right. The Solent. So the Hawk was equipped to basically headbutt other ships. It was a military ship. Oh. Uh, I was so like, why? It was, it was designed to headbutt... Uh, other ships with its bow, so it put quite a gash in the side of the Olympic, uh, which forced her to return to Belfast for repairs. Here's a little photo. You can see the big old gash oh, wow, on the yeah. side of the ship. Uh, again, you can see this photo on the Instagram. So there was a trial after this, you know, like a court trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which deemed that the Olympic was at fault, although... <laughs> Multiple witnesses were like, um, no. Basically, the way it was described is that the Olympic was making a turn and the hawk was surprised at, like, the turn radius and, and didn't get out of the way in time. But <laughs> because the court found the Olympic to be at fault, the insurance company, Lloyd's of London, would not cover the cost of the repair. Oh, golly. So the White Star's flagship would be out of action during its extensive repairs and the Titanic's completion date, which was already behind schedule, would have to be delayed. So it's just compiling problems. Mm-hmm. You know, Titanic was already running behind. Now it's going to be further behind because the Olympic is back in the shipyard for repairs. So the conspiracy theory states that in order to both make and recover money, the White Star Line conspired to swap the sister ships. The damaged Olympic would go out in the Titanic's place with a plan in place to purposefully sink it as safely as possible to collect the insurance money while allowing the original Titanic to be finalized and relaunched as the elaborate flagship of the line. It's a lot. How do you safely sink a ship? We'll get there. So most fixtures and outfittings on the ships were standard issue to the White Star Line, with just a few items on board bearing a specific ship's name. Uh, So the bells, the lifeboats, and nameplates on the ships were easily swapped. Everything else just said White Star Line. It Mm -hmm. didn't say, like, the Titanic. 
Some people point to the sea trials as evidence of this. Uh, so the Olympic originally during its sea trials spent two days at sea for these trials. The Titanic only had one day. Some suggest that the Board of Trade did not feel the need to test out the Titanic extensively since the two ships were practically identical. It would make sense not to push the speed during Titanic, quote-unquote, speed tri- er, trials if it were secretly the damaged Olympic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they took the original Olympic, just kind of did a patchwork job of like, okay, this looks it doesn't have this giant gash on the side anymore, but maybe things are a little bent, maybe not yeah. up to code. But if we're going to sink it, it's fine. It doesn't matter. But, yeah. like, oh, we don't need to speed test it because that would, like, reveal the the conspiracy. Uh, so, to answer your earlier question, conspiracists proposed that the planned sinking would be due to slowly opened seacocks, which was a word that I learned. Uh, which are valves in the hull of a ship which are opened to bring water aboard mm-hmm. for cooling purposes or to release, like, wastewater. Yeah. Um, so it's normal to have these, like, open, which things I didn't know yeah. about boats. Um, and this would cause a slow enough sinking that there would be plenty of time for nearby ships to ferry passengers. <laughs> Um, from the sinking Meanwhile, ship. those ships, if, if this was the way that it went down, those ships probably would come by and be like, so, did you, did you close your seacocks? Have you, have you checked? Well, Emma, <laughs> actually, the iceberg was, in fact, actually a rescue ship from the parent company, the parent corporation, the International Mercantile Marine Company, IMM, that just didn't have its lights on. That so, was the iceberg? Yes. So the, so the idea was, oh, we were going to safely sink the ship, but because the rescue ship didn't have its lights on, we crashed into the rescue ship instead. Oh my gosh. And then the rescue ship did nothing? Well, if it was also damaged, I don't know. Nothing. They don't have right. an explanation, explanation for that. The ice on deck on the Titanic that was reported to be seen after this iceberg collision um, is said to have come from the rigging of both ships. So, like, if they knocked together, it would have, like, loosened oh, up any ice that yeah. was in the rigging. Uh, also, Gardner, the main proponent of this theory, does not think that an iceberg would be capable of causing as much damage as another ship. So, like, if it had been an iceberg, maybe they just would have gotten a scrape or, like, a little puncture, but it had to have been another boat. Oh, I mean, but that's I'm like, fair. But, but I'm like, did the other boat sink? Why haven't we yeah. found it at the bottom of the ocean? Like, like right where we found the Titanic. Right? Um, but according to Gardner, the, the, the emergency flares that were seen by the SS Californian were actually from this rescue ship, not from the Titanic. And this would explain some of the confusion and the inaction on the part of the Californian because they, as another IMM ship, we're expecting a rendezvous, not a rescue. Mm-hmm. You know, if they were expecting this rescue ship to pick up a bunch of passengers, which I'm like, how big is the rescue ship if you're going to... But I guess it... I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't have the mind of a conspiracy theorist, I don't think. This all seems very convoluted, too. Okay. I mean, most conspiracies are. Yes. But as I mentioned before, I had never heard this theory. I guess they tried to keep conspiracy theories kind of out of middle school libraries. And thought it was totally 
nuts. Totally not possible, just like you. Uh-oh. Until I saw the photos. Uh-oh. So I found a Reddit thread, which, like, grain of salt. <laughs> but also, this Reddit thread was, was mentioned in an article that I read. Okay. Also. Folks at home, you can play along on your Instagram. I'm going to walk Emma through a series of photos. Okay. So here, you will see the Olympic in dry dock in Southampton. I want you to pay attention to the five innermost portholes that you see at the top. So you see this white band. There's a bunch of portholes. Here, you'll see these, these final five. You got two close together, a space, a single porthole, a space, two other close together, right? Okay. All right. Next up, you'll see the Titanic under construction. You'll see here these final five, or the most innermost five portholes are evenly spaced, correct? And you see the side says Titanic. We get it. Next up, you'll see, quote, the Titanic at harbor before it departed for its maiden voyage. What do you see here, Emma? Oh. You see those five innermost portholes, two close together, a space, single porthole, a space, two close together. <laughs> so if they had swapped the ships, like why would they redo why, the yeah, portholes? There would be no reason because it's already built. Right? And the Titanic hadn't been to sea yet, so why would they need to change the portholes? Furthermore, Emma, also I just love this little old man sitting in the corner, Yeah, actually. He's very sweet. Furthermore, this, you'll see, is a photo of the, quote, Olympic after it had been repaired when it had sailed to New York. What do you see, Emma? Evenly spaced portholes. Yes. So that's really by this theory, <laughs> the evenly spaced porthole ship was originally the Titanic, but this photo was taken after the sinking of the Titanic. I will say one little like skeptic comment is that this photo is the only oh, one taken yeah. from the other side. Yeah, I was gonna the say the first this. three photos are all taken. I don't know ship terms, so like port, starboard port, or port starboard. whatever the other one is. Um, Starboard, I think I'm not going to do this again where I no, got latitude, don't. longitude. Just, if you care, you'll look it up. I think Starboard's right. <laughs> I need to do it. I don't want the do possibility it. of being right so badly. I do. She's willing to fall on her own sword. I do. So, if this were the case, the true Titanic, the ship originally built as the Titanic, went on to spend 25 years in service now as the Olympic, and was scrapped for parts in 1935. Uh, she served in World War I and afterward returned to civilian service as a glamorous ocean liner, hosting celebrities such as Marie Curie, Charlie Chaplin, and Prince Edward, then the Prince of Wales. She was dubbed Old Reliable, <laughs> which I kind of love because if they were swapped... Did that mean that the real Titanic was truly unsinkable? Mm. As old reliable? We love that. In truth, it just doesn't add up. 
those two portholes on the Olympic were refitted in March of 1912, well before the sinking of the Titanic. Okay. So they got evenly spaced portholes. <sighs> Dang it, you have me convinced. I too was convinced. Not a single artifact, however, recovered from the wreck of the Titanic bore the yard assignment number 400, which is the Olympics. The Olympic. Because um, so, 401's Titanic. Exactly. So either there was an incredibly meticulous cover-up team or it never happened. Yeah. And this would this included like the woodwork, all of the things, not just like, oh, I picked up a bench and it said this number and not that number. Yeah. Like, which makes sense. If you're building two ships simultaneously, you would stamp the bottom of fixtures with the yeah. ship. That's the whole purpose of having the number, so you knew which, which shipyards ship to, to bring it to. Yeah. Furthermore, the insurance policy, which is the center of this whole elaborate proposed cover-up swap situation, was for a mere five billion pounds. <laughs> Whereas the Titanic cost 7.5 billion pounds oh. to construct. So would it really have been worth it? No. Even, okay, so, but like, talk it through with me, because I sure. could not do this at two in the morning. I just was like, there's too many numbers. So, assuming both the Olympic and the Titanic cost approximately 7.5 billion mm-hmm. to build, the, the Olympic is damaged, and they're not going to get any insurance money from the previous accident. So if they sink it, they get five billion pounds. And their fancy new ship that has never been damaged can start carrying passengers and stuff. So like It's not a bad I mean, I idea. guess having five billion is better than no billion. But but also I'm sure the repair on the ship wasn't equivalent to five billion. I mean, I don't know. I've never repaired an ocean liner. I don't either. Like, like I haven't either, obviously. But, like, that's my guess. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, that's all I've got for you. Go listen to the musical. Yeah, the musical's great. <laughs> I also, I'm surprised that you didn't mention this, but there oh. is a book that was written a few years before the Titanic was even announced as a thing, and it was called The Titan, and it was about a ship that crashed into an iceberg. And sank. Oh. And it was it was a novel, and there is this whole conspiracy about it being like a prophetic book, um, and that the White Star Line, like someone in, involved with it, read the book and was like, "Oh, I like the, <laughs> I like the, the vibe." Drama. I guess I don't know, but that's I, I remember that from a while ago. I obviously don't have all of the research and the details, but that's what I remember. Yeah, I I don't know. My question, my follow-up question that oh. I just thought of <laughs> is would you ever travel on, like, a recreation of the Titanic? No. You're too superstitious. No. Well, I don't know if it's superstition. I just hate the idea of cruises. All right, that's fair. There's also that, like, recreation of the Titanic somewhere in, like, Tennessee or something, right? Yes. There is a man quoted in one of these articles who's the head of, like, the Missouri and Tennessee Titanic exhibition. And I'm like, why is that there? Why is it in the middle of the country? I mean, no offense to the Midwest, but I guess kind of offense. Sorry. But, like, 
is there such a dearth of culture that you just have to like pick stuff up and be like, this yeah. is the thing now. Yeah. Foam henge. Yeah. Titanic experience. Yeah. That one place that shows <laughs> Jesus riding dinosaurs. Oh my gosh, that is in Tennessee. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's well, and it because Shelby sent that to us, the little video of of that. Um, like the whole recreation of the Titanic. I think it's in the Mississippi um, River or something. Um, somewhere. I don't know. I'm speculating. But they have the portion of it, which freaked me out. And I was like, I absolutely would not get on this thing. Because it's an actual ship that you like get up and go mm. into and, and look around. Um, and there's a portion of it where it's like the, a portion of the stairs, like the servant stairs or like the mm-hmm. ship stairs, um, that is glassed off. And every so often, it will fill with water the same way that the Titanic would have filled with water <laughs> when it was sinking. And it's like, you sit there and watch it. And no, absolutely not. Shannon is very excited. <laughs> Shannon wants to go. I do. Fine. You can go to that, and I will go find something else fun to do in Tennessee You're or wherever like, we are. I'm going to go find an ice cream shop the same or way, a deep fried something. Yeah, the same way that you will go and watch Drag Queens while I investigate Zach Bagan's haunted museum. Yeah, goodbye. Goodbye. I don't know why it is that the haunted stuff doesn't freak me out, but the actual... Because you're very <laughs> empathetic. You're like, oh, real people died. Yeah. But not to say I'm unempathetic, but, like, it's also fascinating. I think for you, the history is more of a draw, whereas, like, the... I think it's more... It's sort of like how I felt with um, Georgia Tan and the Tennessee Children's Home Society. Like, it's awful. It's horrible. But it's like, how could this happen? Yeah. It's like, if we don't talk about it, if we don't research it, if we don't pay attention to it, it... Like there, does it, those did people it ever suffering, almost. yeah, the, those people suffering becomes like meaningless or like, I don't know. Which I think is empathy. That I mean, it has to be. That's true. That is empathy. You're not. You're not a non-empathetic person. I know. I know. I just. I appreciate the thought that very, I am empathetic in very different, like different ways. I think very you much d- so. You d- you don't. I don't like, like crying. You're incredibly visually empathetic. I think yes. I can't deal with the actual... Versus I'm more, sight. like, experientially, so. Like, I've realized that when I watch movies in my house by myself, I'm less likely to cry. But if I'm in, like, a movie theater and it's a giant, like, overwhelming experience... And there are people around you with the, well, experiencing it with you? It, not so much people in that sense, but, like... Or I compare it to if I'm sitting in my car listening to a CD... Maybe I'll cry, but, like, probably not. But if I'm at a concert and it's this, like, group experience kind of thing. Or if I'm at a museum and I... Like, the one... The Titanic experience in Belfast, you... First, like, you go on this little, like, people mover sort of ride. It, like, takes you through, um, like, the construction. Yeah. The the different stages and things. Um, But then you do a walkthrough and... This exhibit, it shows, like, a, it's, like, glassed off, so it's not like you can stand in it. But it shows you, like, this is an example of a second-class cabin. And you can see, like, how small it was and how, like, and it'll, sh- you know, kind of experiencing it that way. And I don't know. It's very cool. I'm glad that you find it cool. Yeah. I would have been the kid sitting in the lobby. <laughs> No, I would have dragged you. I'd you been like, I'm like, and on. I would have, I would have been crying the entire time. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. You did. I mean, we both cried during the opening number of Titanic. I cried during every opening number of every musical. Oh, I so cried during bad. the opening of Lion King. Yeah. But like. And Parade. But that one I knew what was coming, so I was like, yeah. oh, this is so heart wrenching. Uh, this isn't related at all, except that it's theater, but those videos that I on TikTok where it's like numbers that are going to get emotional standing ovations when Broadway is allowed to happen again. I started crying during the whole thing. Oh, uh, I was crying. Imagine, the whole thing. Like, even if it's just some rinky dig community theater production, don't care. The overture's gonna start and we're gonna be like, oh. <laughs> I. Rinky dink. I just, I would relive the worst community theater experiences of my life right now. That's how much I want to be in theater. This, say it. It's say the, it. It's say the call out episode. I would do Annie again. I knew it. <laughs> you know how, how much of a roller coaster that was. I should text Jonathan. You should. And be like, hello. Would you like to single-handedly put together a production... The he, screaming children. He's a superhero. The children didn't it scream. Was, they were just... They were miked and they were loud. Oh, see, I was hardly ever on stage with them. Oh. Which well, was no. great. It was... It, it, being an audience member, they were miked and loud. And I was sitting next to someone. I think it might have been Rose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were sitting next to each other. And both her and I were like, this is very loud. <laughs> Oh, no. It was Eric on one side, Rose on the other. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So you were incredibly short. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Any whoozles, I hope you enjoyed hanging out with us. I guess at the beginning we should have told you, like, get a cup of something warm, settle in, because this is going to feel like you're at a coffee shop with us. Yeah. Getting distracted. Catching up. Different thoughts and feelings we have. Yep. We have and, a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, we've already plugged our email. We've already plugged our Insta. We've already made sure to tell you to rate, review, and subscribe. Share us with your enemies. Share us with your friends. So I think that we've covered it all. Have we? Yes, Emma. And like the likelihood of these conspiracy theories being real, remember, this podcast doesn't doesn't exist. Messy. Oh my god. Do you want to do it again? No. No? All right. Bye. Bye.